Hello there. You're listening to Local Bops, a music podcast about artists, community, and craft. And I'm your host, Connor Beckett. For this episode, I spoke with folk musician and songwriter Livy Marcus, who performs under the moniker Morning Glory, about her 2021 debut record, Livy Marcus Eats Her Shoe, an album that she describes as like a good banana bread, made in your kitchen with stuff that was getting a little overripe. It's an apt self-description for an artist who, like many of her peers, worries about the ephemerality of songcraft. Yet, in the context of the mode through which Marcus waxes poetic on heartbreak and salad days, creates an interesting juxtaposition for a genre that's historically maintained a timeless quality. We talked at length about her own approach to songwriting, her personal philosophy about folk music, how she'd describe the spiritual flavor profile of footwear, and her predilection for using lampshades and album artwork over the course of a half an hour. Along the way, we also got to hear two studio cuts of songs from her last record, as well as a new, incredibly spooky, unnamed track. Take a listen. He threw another bag of trash out into the yard Said, baby, I just like things easy And you're making this hard And I heard the heater clanging from the top of the stairs And I saw the laundry piled up on top of the chair And I gathered up the pile and I folded it I'm sitting here with Livy Marcus, a.k.a. Morning Glory. Uh, Livy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me on this podcast. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So first off, I wanted to ask, how was your show at the Wild Project in the East Village this past weekend? I wish I'd gotten a chance to, to go and see it because it seems like one of the more innovative spaces for performance in the city. Uh, mainly, I've just spent too much time around DIY spaces, so anything that looks like even... <laughs> mildly official like i'm like whoa what the hell's going on here but it, it looked like a really cool space to perform in uh i don't it know if that awesome. was awesome it so it was on a blocked off block mm-hmm. blocked off block blocked in, off block um in the east village and there's like a um a theater space attached and that's how i got this gig was like from theater people that i know which was also sick because I showed up to the gig and everything was like labeled and everything like all the all the chords were like in a pile and they were like this is for this this because I had sent them it was just very like theater people organization and mm-hmm. I was like oh nice um, but I they let me peek inside and like the little black box space was sick but yeah it was great I had my bubble machine going the whole time even through the sad songs nice, which is nice nice so nice. great and. Um, there was like brunch noise happening in the back, which actually really added a lot. And this is like good slash bad. There was like a very sweet old man on a bike who was in the bike lane going by and he turned around to, to be like, wow, good job. And like almost hit a car. Oh no. (laughs) And I was like, I'm too powerful. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, given the East Village's somewhat historic relationship with New York City's folk scene, uh, did yeah. you did you feel like you were sort of threading yourself into the tapestry of uh, New York City's musical history, at least in your own small way, um, by, by playing Whoa. in the East Village? I didn't even think of that. That's cool. Inside Livy Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's sick. I mean, yeah, I guess so. I definitely, I used to work for this woman who worked at the public theater, and she had, like, such a deep, like, really pure love for the East Village, for, like, what it was and what it still is. Mm-hmm. 
and she like changed my my views on everything um yeah that's a really cool thought now i feel that way since you said it (laughs) nice i'm glad i could give that to you uh i guess while we're on the subject you performed the entirety of your record livy marcus eats her shoe which came out earlier this year it's a fantastic record and one that contends quite a bit with the theme of romance tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit about the writing and conceptualization of this record and why you described this album the quote is much like a good banana bread this record was made in your kitchen with stuff that was getting a little overripe. <laughs> that's the quote that's in the uh, album description. I was turning that over a bit. Uh, I'm so glad that people read that because I think it, maybe it made pe- some people laugh. Um, yeah, so I started making music like about, I guess, three, two, three years ago. Maybe, yeah, about three years ago um, because a dear friend of mine was like, I was like, oh, I just keep dating these dudes who play guitar, and I just, like, gotten over this breakup, and she was like, you need to just, like, demystify the the band bro thing, like, be your own band bro, and I was like, okay, so I did it, and then I have, I have, like, notes in my notes app where I, like, write notes to myself from that time period that basically say, like, do not under, under any circumstances start writing music, you're going to distract yourself, like, you came to the city to like be an actor like you're in the union and even my agents at the time were like what are you doing and yeah I got distracted I'm so happy like it all worked out very well for me but I think that's the joke is like I started writing and playing at the same time I started playing guitar playing live and writing all in the same span of like a couple months um which sounds crazy but it felt right at the time especially because I had been, like, watching people play guitar and playing, like, my ex-partner who, like, you know, I was getting over a breakup. It was just, like, a big whirling ball of cliches of, like, why people start writing music. And I was like, check, 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 check. And then um, it took me so long to, like, put anything out that that's what that is from is just like some of those songs are just so fucking old that this or felt old to me that it was like please put them on the internet um and i'm so glad that i did yeah i I feel like that description also and kind of what you're saying describes this sense of urgency as it relates as it relates to releasing this in some ways it was like yeah (laughs) like you know that if these didn't come out on the record, they would essentially spoil. It's like what I, I, the word ripe is what I'm turning yeah. over there. Like, so did you feel like that sort of rush, like there, there was a desire, like it's now or never as it relates to these songs, like they, they need to come out right now or were you cooling a little bit on it? No, I def, that's so funny. You should say that. I definitely feel like that's true because there was about 15 songs in like, kind of floating around to be on this record and the record's only 10 tracks I think 10 tracks in an intro who knows and I feel like the ones that didn't make it were the ones that like were just too old like Mm -hmm. they felt they didn't feel like me anymore which is weird because I don't think some of them I don't even think are bad it was just like I was so happy with the stuff that I had written like two months before that those seemed really far away and like I think that's the natural progression of things i'm sure i'll listen to this someday like this past one and be like what <laughs> i hope yeah well yeah. i mean i guess that's like 
you know, isn't that inherent to the artist's journey is that you need to look back <laughs> on that old stuff. And the you're artist's like, journey. I'm so much better these days. I feel days. like Frodo. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the first song from this record that we're going to hear uh, tonight, which is Don't Forget Me. Mm-hmm. It's the second track from the album. I felt as though this track kind of hones in on the experience of sort of giving yourself to someone else when you make that choice to fall in love and rectifying that somewhat terrifying experience with like a simultaneous desire to retain your own autonomy Mm -hmm. um and the two kind of run parallel to each other i feel like in a lot of relationships and i was wondering if that was something you thought about when you were when you were writing the lyrics for this song in particular oh man yeah definitely i think that song is a funny one because it's it's the least like cut and dry about like what it's about in like in terms of my own life i go back and read those lyrics and i'm like i wonder what i was trying to say um which is cool i think that feeling of like wanting to have commitment to somebody but do it in like a tongue-in-cheek way because it doesn't because it stresses you out i think is a lot of what that song is about being like we can get married like i don't care it doesn't have to be fancy i just want to make sure that like we're good and you're not gonna leave me but also like i don't want to freak anyone out so like let's just be jokey joke about it that's Mm -hmm. like the very that's like a very 18 year old feeling i think and a lot of the imagery of that for me at least is rooted in like my hometown in like southern massachusetts where like the the only thing that you have to do in the summer is like light ants on fire (laughs) with a magnifying glass because that's it you're in the suburbs and like romance is obviously like the most exciting thing to happen to you all year or whatever um yeah well you don't you don't just have to magnify uh ants uh with with the magnifying glass (laughs) you can also drink whiskey in the tall grass yeah that's right that's right that's how i know that that song like in my head timeline wise takes place when i'm a lot younger because like i can't even imagine drinking straight whiskey right now i would puke (laughs) although i probably did puke maybe that's the thing is in high school you're like it was crazy i puked and i'm like it was horrible i puked yeah (laughs) i love i love that that description of that sort that sort of mode of ironic self-expression that comes with youth like where you're like yeah sure like let's get married like whatever like but we'll do but we'll do it as a bit (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) yeah Definitely. Very much an indicative of uh, of a, an 18, 19 year old mindset. I know that I was guilty of it when I was that age. Well, mm-hmm. with that said, let's give a listen now. Morning Glory performing and don't forget me right here in the local Bob studio. Give it a listen.
Tisti I can be patient I can be Livy Marcus, a.k.a. Morning Glory, performing Don't Forget Me off her 2021 release, Livy Marcus Eats Her Shoe. That brings me to the next section. We're going to play a quick game uh, that I've called Livy Marcus Cooks and Prepares Her Shoe. Um, <laughs> Livy, I'm going to show you photos of several pairs of footwear, and I want you to rate their edibility not so much based on the materials themselves, but more so based on the flavor vibe that they give off. Does okay. that make sense? So yeah. it's essentially, you know, we're not evaluating what the shoe actually tastes like, but like the flavor that you feel in your heart of hearts when you Word. look at an image of the shoe. So oh th- that makes sense? Yes. All right, cool. All right. With that, we're going to start with the actual most edible shoe based on material alone. So what flavor do Crocs have to Livy Marcus? Crocs? What flavor? Like a Laffy Taffy? Like a Laffy Taffy. I almost wore Crocs here today. I, I have a pair of white Crocs with strawberries all over them that I love so much. Uh, they're squishy. They're kind of ugly. And yeah, Laffy Taffy. Nice. Um, <laughs> second, second one is these embroidered Zazani boots as worn by Dolly Parton. Oh my God. Those are beautiful. Um, what flavor? Yeah, what flavor? Like, corresponding. Okay. I mean, is it weird for me to say, like, that's like a full English breakfast? Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. you have, like, it's hearty, but it seems, like, untouchable to me because it's English. But there's, and there's a lot going on, is what you're and saying. And there's a lot going yeah. on, which is weird because she's, like, the queen of American roots music, but... Yes. I'm going to say full English breakfast. And the Moderna Queen, too, also. Had Moderna a, Queen. Had a, had a pretty heavy involvement in that magazine. Okay. <laughs> um, let's do the next one. It's uh, Doc Martin's 1461 smooth leather Oxford shoes in white. These are the low-top Doc Martens, but they're in a white color. Whoa. The flavor of that. The first thing that comes to mind is Nick Kroll saying, like, Four or five cigarettes in a chocolate bar. <laughs> That's that. To yeah. Me. Like European lunch break energy. Yeah. Like like one single shot Americano and a parliament. <laughs> yeah. Breakfast of champions right there. And Just like yellow teeth. <laughs> 
and those are sick though i would wear those oh yeah i would wear those too these are just the shoes that i want oh <laughs> um, cool <laughs> and, um and the very last one is the uh fairly common and somewhat iconic converse chuck taylor all-stars in black oh oh nice oh my god this is weird because we were just talking about this off air but the first thing i thought of is like a bacon egg and cheese on a, a bacon plain egg bagel. And cheese. yeah <laughs> plain bagel on a plain bagel yes a Uh, superior bagel yes uh i'm sure we'll get a lot of hate mail for that if i expand upon before we start recording i'll just give context to listeners i did go on a bit of a long (laughs) rant about why plain bagels are superior in certain cases to an everything bagel i'm like taking so many fucking this is like the one take (laughs) that i'm actually scared to make on a podcast like this we is, make together we make one Jew. Yeah. <laughs> so we're allowed to have an opinion on bagels. That's of, true. Kind of. <laughs> uh, thank you for playing the first and likely only round of Livy Marcus Cooks <laughs> and prepares her own shoes on local pops. Thank you. Um, and if I were to give you a score, it would be salty out of sweet. Oh, sick. That's the top score you can get, actually. Thank you. Um, uh, thank you so much. <laughs> let's, let's shift the topic uh, for a second towards uh, some of the wider themes or motifs through uh that are present on your record Mm -hmm. i feel like lyrically there's a lot of references to places and things that evoke a really classic sense of americana on this record we've got records to planting pansies for nobody's eyes drinking straight whiskey in the swaying grass and lighting up ants with a magnifying glass and true love arriving on a western breeze i feel like a lot of this phraseology kind of evokes like classic folk imagery and i was wondering if that was something intentional in your writing or more a product of your own influences and the music you grew up with um that's a good question i think it's more a product of the music that i was listening to at the time of most of this being written Mm -hmm. um such as oh gosh um i was listening to a lot of like Emmy Lou Harris and Alison Krauss and those are very like the, like the greats but it was like a new discovery for me I grew up in Massachusetts you couldn't touch that stuff without people making fun of you truly mm-hmm. um, but I think I've just I have an incredibly high-pitched voice and like finding that stuff was just finding stuff I could sing along to in the shower with like a lot of ease mm-hmm. and also, I've I've always my mom's parents are immigrants from Indonesia, and my dad is like like a seventy fifth generation Ashkenazi Jew. I don't know. We've been in America for a long time, but I I think because I grew up in such an I just feel very American mm-hmm. in all the good and bad ways, and discovering Americana f- like later in life was like. A kind of like emotionally tumultuous very gratifying journey for me to be like why do I like this so much mm-hmm. um, but I definitely didn't grow up with it um, I grew up with like troubadour no nukes concert energy with like James Taylor and stuff but that's like very common I think mm-hmm. um, yeah and I think lyrically also a lot of that stuff is is also kind of tongue-in-cheek because like the western breeze i think in that situation refers to like an ohio town like a couple towns west of where i was writing that song mm-hmm. it was like haha get it and it's that's why a lot of these songs are fun for me because they were mostly just for my friends mm-hmm. so it was like get it because it was like a couple towns over 
<laughs> but maybe it sounds more cinematic now. Yeah, I, I think devoid of that context, it's like it does sound very. Yeah. There's there there is a drama to a lot of your music. I feel like you know, yeah. in a in a good way. But it's Definitely. interesting. It's interesting to hear that the genesis of that drama is in, you know, just being tongue in cheek with your friends. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Um, one of that lyric that we were just quoting is from a song that we're about to hear Livy Marcus perform for us right here in the local Bop studio. The title of that track is Lenny. Um, before you, you know, before we give it a play, I was wondering if you could, you know, just tell us a little bit more about this track you mentioned, like it being about a town that was, or a town that was two towns over, you said, in Ohio, if I understand correctly. I think. I don't even Ohio geography is a mystery. Like, two towns over could be, like, a seven-hour drive. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I... The song is called Lenny, like, very openly because so much of it is stolen from Leonard Cohen that mm-hmm. it was, like, it needs to be addressed before someone else says it. Um, and also, like, speaking of, like, Jews I love... Um, you know, huge influence on me. That's like a since childhood big one for me. Um, I went to the Leonard Cohen exhibit at the Jewish Museum and like openly sobbed. It was really cool. And I've like read all his old like smutty books, which are really weird. Yeah, he's great. But um, what else? That song is just like um, me trying to like make something really like heartbreaking that had happened to me sound like it had happened a long time ago by putting it in like a really traditional kind of like bluegrassy world because it was like weeks had passed maybe and I was like time to write a song (laughs) um yeah processing a breakup by making it happen in the past is like good I guess yeah emotional distance makes the heart grow stronger yeah that's right (laughs) and I'm a therapist yes um (laughs) I guess, uh, was, you talk about, like, <laughs> I don't want to say blatant, like, it's not a blatant ripoff from Leonard Cohen, I would say, <laughs> like, you know, by no, by, by no means, uh, it's, it's writing, he, good writing is just rewriting, yeah. said somebody. Would you say that the, the hallelujah <laughs> refrain that we hear throughout, uh, throughout the song, is, it draws from Cohen in that way? Yeah, I, I don't think it did while I was writing it, but I think it did to so many people that I showed the song to that they were like, oh, this totally makes sense because you love Leonard Cohen so much. And I was like, oh, shit. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. Th- I thought it was, um, it, it embeds this really interesting kind of spiritual energy to the song um, using that particular word. Um, yeah. But obviously it's so much, you know, not saying we can't find God in other people, but I'm saying that this is a fairly humanistic tale um, that kind of seems to have this mysticism, this otherworldliness or this past energy to it um, as a consequence of using that song within the refrain. Cool. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> cool, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm like, this is very, it's nice of you to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I just um I, sometimes I go too big brain in terms of my analysis. Maybe oh, that was big brain. Big brain is good. Yeah. And the last thing I'll ask before we hear it is tell me about this contraption that we are hearing the instrumental component of the song being played upon. Uh, I'm so excited. This is like I think maybe one of like my the first songs I ever wrote. So it's very like it's very meditative to me. And I was like, oh, time to like mix it up. And my sweet partner Charlie saw me looking at like weird music boxes online so he 
got me one, which is very nice. And I learned how to use it in like four days, so be kind, everyone. But let me tell you what it's called. It's called... It's called The Cranky. K-R-A-N-K-I-E by Brand New Noise. And you get a sheet of paper and a hole puncher and you make a song. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, with that in mind, let us bend our ears and bear witness to Morning Glory performing Lenny right here, right now on Local Bops. Little bugs climbing up above 
thank you to Livy Marcus for that moving performance of Lenny from this year's record. The last question I wanted to ask about Livy Marcus Eats Her Shoe is regarding the somewhat enigmatic album artwork for both this album and its singles, Where You Are and Walk By The Water, which somewhat prominently feature a lampshade and a lamp, <laughs> I should say, in general. What, uh, yeah, just why? Why, you know? Why, why the lamp? Why the lampshade? I, there's so many reasons and almost all of them are dumb, but basically... One time I booked a show downtown at a space that was too big for me. Just like straight up, don't know how I got that gig. And I was like, I need lasers. I need, like, I need to fill the space. And I was like, oh my God, you know, it would be so funny if I got like a bunch of super pedestrian, like Ikea lamps. Because that's like the me version of lasers, I think sonically and personality wise. So I bought six really cheap floor lamps for $30 from some lady like who lived near the venue and I just brought them over and plugged them all in and the sound guy was like ew who is this and I was like sorry and it was so perfect it looked like a freaky little living room which is exactly what I would always dream for and then I started to like I don't know, lamp imagery kept reappearing in my life, whether it was like, I, I was watching the, you know, it's, it's so cliche, but like the, the David Byrne dance with the lamp thing with my, with the kid that I used to babysit who I'm very close with. And she was like, this is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminds me of you. And I was like, really? Cause I just played a lamp show. That's cool. And I also have a, a lamp tattoo on my arm now, which makes me laugh. But um, I think in, like, a big, serious way, it's because I don't think of myself as, like, the sun or, like, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? But I would like to shed light in this world, and, like, a lamp makes a lot of sense to me. I would like to be a lamp for people. Mm-hmm. I don't fancy myself some anything else. I don't even fancy myself a rotating LED. But I think, like, little pedestrian things that are useful and sweet make me feel better and then in a really not serious way i love the movie anchorman okay (laughs) i love lamp i love lamp um it took me a second there yeah that's like 50 to 60 percent of the reason why any of this has happened (laughs) i I think that's um there's something you know incredibly self-aware about you know, describing oneself in terms of an Ikea lamp. It's like, you know, <laughs> we all don't all have to be the sun. We right. can we can make our own small gestures to bring some light into this world. We don't yeah. have to be this fiery ball in the sky. We can just be a lamp, you know? Yeah. I definitely need lamps. Like, just as much as I need the sun movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that. I love lamp, too. Um, <laughs> well... <clears throat> with that let's turn towards the future uh it's been almost six months since your record came out and it's my understanding that you've been working on some new songs possibly i'm not sure how much you can tell or are willing to divulge about any sort of upcoming untitled livy marcus project so i wanted to ask if there was anything that you could share with us about the music that you've been writing right now and i guess 
what you've learned in the in the period since that record came out and i guess in any way and in any ways in which you feel like the next the songs that you're working on right now that people will hear you know maybe maybe later this year maybe next year um and how you would differentiate them from uh the the, the songs on eats her shoe beyond them just being older and and you know yeah. somewhat scattered throughout the ages as it relates to <laughs> the, this this journey that you've been on yeah that's I definitely think that this is so, I'm not like in any way original for saying this, but I feel like the first LP is always like an amalgamation of a long period of time. And the second LP is like schmooshed mm-hmm. and this is, this going to be very schmooshed. Um, but yeah, I think I've just tried to experiment more with, um, mostly like environmental ish percussion and trying to like get myself out of the finger picky space um so that when I go back it feels like coming home instead of like riding the wave um but I think lyrically I just you know because of like my own life circumstances and like where my attention has turned for like what seems urgent I haven't things have things have drifted really far from romance for me which is funny because i think the song that i'm playing is still kind of about that but um well the other the other side of the other side of that but i think yeah it's just been a long year of of really strong emotions that because my i'm i have a great relationship it's going well (laughs) yay um all right yeah uh, right yay happy for you charles um yeah i think that all of a sudden you know i'm i'm going i'm turning way way back in my life to like think about stuff and then also kind of like this present moment of like great great stress um which i think like it's i don't know that you know (laughs) i'm stuttering but i i think it people people are going to have a difficult time absorbing all of the art that comes out of this past year and I think I'm like how do I make what I have to say palatable and like is that even the right like is that even the job Mm. um I don't have an answer but that's kind of like where I'm floating right now Mm -hmm. someone uh yeah it's an it's an interesting question I think because Perhaps most people's uh, inarticulate feelings about this last year is just the sound. If you were to render that in the form of music, it would be someone screaming into a pillow. Yeah. Um, which is, oh, yeah. as, as you said, not very palatable. Right, um, yeah. Well, that brings us towards uh, the song we're going to listen to momentarily, which is incredibly palatable, <laughs> but a stark thematic uh, departure from the music we were listening to before, or, as we were saying just a minute ago perhaps the flip side of uh a lot of the themes that we hear on the lp just tell me a little bit more about this track which bill co and i have thankfully already listened to and, and <laughs> think it sounds spooky gospel's not selling you got to give me something spooky oh thank you um just tell me a little bit more about this as of the time of recording unnamed track that unnamed track Although, what did you say? I, I, re- I recommended you call it the Hanged Man. Oh, yeah, the Hanged Man. Bil- Bilko said we should call it the Trash Man. <laughs> Either way, I genuinely like that's so good. I think I was calling it 
um, uh, oh, like bad dream song or like song about revenge dream, revenge dream song number one, like, which we can't actually call it that. But um, yeah, this is just like, it's funny because this was me after a long like period of like booping around on like synths I had never seen before and being like, what is music? I was like, I just want to write a ballad with an E at the end, like B-A-L-L-A-D-E. And I was dealing at the time with like um, just my own sense of like real thick apathy. Mm. And I was like, I think I'm harming others around me by just this, this, you know, and I I don't want to be, I want to be like a net positive for my friends. And I was like, oh, God, I feel like I've experienced me before in relationships. And I, and I was thinking about a time when, like, I was seeing somebody and the overall, like, feelings of the relationship was just, like, I know you're not doing anything, but why do I want to, like, set your house on fire? Because if someone is so apathetic, sometimes the only way to combat it is to i guess scream into a pillow yeah because <laughs> you can't say anything back so this was my like response to that i guess do you feel like you excised some of that apathy that you were experiencing as a consequence of creating the song yeah definitely let's give it a listen then uh we will turn our ears to an as of late unnamed livy marcus morning glory tune uh that i think you all are really going to like take a listen Somewhere, 
And he laughed until his sides hurt And his face was all red I just don't want you to hurt yourself without me, babe, he said And I tied up all my hair And I got all ready for a fight Thanks for listening to this episode of Local Bops. This podcast was recorded in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and produced by my friend and fastest gun this side of the Mississippi, Billy Coglin. If you enjoyed Livy Marcus's performance, you can find all of her music at morningglory.bandcamp.com. That's morningglory with one G, mind you. Be sure to follow her on Instagram as well, at morningglory.music. You can find all episodes of the Local Bops podcast at localbops.com, as well as on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Additionally, you can hear the Local Bops Radio Hour every other Tuesday on kpis.fm. Thanks for tuning in. Take care, and Godspeed.